10 test. We have two more to follow, but we've talked about the pride test, the pit test. We've talked about the purity test, the palace test. We've talked about the prison test. We talked about the, pow- the, the prophetic test. And then last week, I think Joey did a great job on the power test. And power is meant to be given away. And you've been in a place, maybe you work in a place, or you've been in a church, and I'm not, I'm not being negative towards, but it's a misunderstanding where power is a lording over. In the world, it is. But in the, in the church, in the, God, the kingdom of God, power and authority are given from God to chosen leadership to give away. Because it's to, it's to give away to be a resource so that we can equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And then God starts to see hearts and he raises them up in leadership and gives them more authority to give away. But every time you want to keep power, you end up struggling and holding on and it cuts you like a knife because you're grabbing a hold of it too tight and you won't grow because you won't give it away and we're meant to be a resource. And so... It's the same in this, uh, this test, which is the prosperity test. Joey, in the second service, used a great illustration last week. He says, God is over, it's as if God is over here, and the needs of the world are over here. It's, it's the, the, the hunger, it's the needs for spiritual growth, for freedom, for uh, marriages to be restored, for the church, God's church, his kingdom to grow. It's for uh, mentoring. It's for growing the next generation of worship leaders. Whatever it is, the needs to be met are there. God is the, the need meter, meter, and he's the blesser. And God so strategically, intentionally puts who in the middle? Us, his people, as we choose to declare him as our Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, we move into the middle saying, though I need needs in the beginning, God, I know you're going to meet my needs, but I also be, want to be one that as you grow, grow me and I begin to choose to mature in you because I, need, I, I have needs, but eventually I'm going to see that you met my needs and I can be a resource now to these needs that are over here. And it's that uh, I, here I'll go, send me. I'll do it, Lord. And that's the growing of a heart and maturity. And God uses these 10 tests to shape us and mold us to be that individual that says, shows to God, I can be a resource. I can be trusted with what belongs to you. And your kingdom is more important than me building my own kingdom. Can I get a good amen right there? Hey, we've, we've been in other people's kingdoms, right? And we're all inclined to do so. And it's cool to have a little world, to have a little thing that you love to do. That's cool. But, it, but its whole intention is to bring glory and bring edification, bring resource, bring attention back to the kingdom of God so that it too can be a blessing to those who are in need. And so we're talking about the prosperity test. And simply put in all of that, God, has, God wants to bless us to be a blessing to others. This, this is the whole little the statement for for this to send out missionaries to establish his church to send, to expand the kingdom to build and, and develop dream center a dream center like we have across town to, to begin to bless people through that dream center to change lives to reach people that are close to God and far from God and sometimes you can't tell the difference Amen. nobody in t- in mind 
but to have a space to where we can come in, we can mentor, we can, we can help blended families, we can help broken families, we can help people who, who don't otherwise know or believe that it's okay to come into a church, the building where the church meets. And so God wants us to expand his kingdom in whichever way God puts in your heart as you're maturing in him through these tests, he begins to reveal your, your destiny, reveal your purpose, and he begins to open up things that you weren't otherwise foreseeing. So God wants us all to sow into his kingdom. Matthew 6, seek ye first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And see, what this is talking about is his, his, his righteousness. These 10 tests produce his righteousness. So as we're seeking his kingdom, these tests are coming about. These tests are all around you. And he's trying to use them to bring attention to his kingdom, to shape you in his righteousness. And here's the beauty of it. If we'll just change our focus from all these things, he begins to bring all the things into our lives as necessary as we begin to focus on his kingdom and his righteousness. There's a beauty in that. And so he's always trying to change the perspective of our mind, as I have used, from, faith, from logic to faith until our faith becomes logical. And that's when we grow in maturity. I I can trust God no matter what because I've watched him work. His testimonies say he will do it. His word says. And he will not not bless his word if I will do it. He's going to be, he's a blesser. And he's a blesser. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's the diligently. Well, I sought him for a little while. Nothing happened, so I changed my mind. Diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those. And great job, Cassandra. You, you are growing ever so rapidly up here. You did a phenomenal job. But every time you get paid, you will take this test. And the question is, whom are you going to honor first when you receive monetary goods? If, if God is not first in, your, in this area then we can't get the rest of your area shaped out. We can't get the rest of your area formed for life and godly character. And I can't emphasize this enough because if we can get you to pass this test and stay continually passing this test, well, then it's easy to begin to shape you and mold you around the other nine tests because your heart is in the kingdom of God. Because where your treasure is, so too is your heart. But for as long as what you think is your treasure is not in the kingdom and doing it and revealing that heart issue his way, then we can't help you with the pit, purity, pride, prosperity, I mean, prosperity, prophetic power, and the rest of the tests. Because your kingdom, your heart's not there. But when it is, it's humble and shaped and easily be molded into the, towards the voice of God and his word. And many people say, uh, until understanding this principle, okay, we'll, understand, we'll say, well, well, God is number one in my life. Well, then that must be shown his way. We don't get to decide what Scripture says. Scripture decides what it means and what we do. So how we reveal God is first in my life, it depends on how he says I should reveal who is first and he is first in my life. There is no other way. Otherwise, we would be God. Anybody God? I know God is in this room, and I know he's working on hearts right now, and I know he's using me right now to work on your heart, but I'm not the one working on your heart. Can you get that? Don't hate the messenger. (laughs) Anybody got tomatoes? Don't throw them. But let's see how Joseph went through this prosperity test. 
I'm going to give you some context. The uh, Pharaoh, who Joseph was, uh, who was the, 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 the lead of Egypt, and he has a dream. Everybody answers to Pharaoh. He has two dreams. He has one dream where there's seven fat cows come out of a river, and then seven skinny cows come out of the river. Seven skinny cows eat the seven fat cows. And then there's another, another dream and another night where seven, uh, seven heads of grain come out. And then there's seven heads of grain that are blighted, meaning they're no good, no bueno, no, no, nobody wants to eat them. They're terrible. They absorb, they eat, they destroy the seven good grain, good heads of grain. Pharaoh's like, I don't know what's going on. Something's not right. This is not a good thing. He calls in magicians. Magicians can't interpret the dream. They say, hey, there's, this, oh, the, there's actually someone who comes in and says, hey, I know somebody that can interpret a dream. And so they say, bring him in. Joseph interprets the dream, and in doing so, he says this right here in Genesis 41, 33. He says, now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of, the, of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. 36 says, then, they, then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. That's some pretty wise words right there. So having navigated the previous test, God gave Joseph wisdom in order to prepare a way for God's kingdom to flourish. God, Joseph had to go through some rough stuff. We've, we've covered that over the last nine weeks, eight weeks. He had to go through some rough stuff. But as God humbled, as he, as he chose to humble his heart to the testings from God, then God began to see that this is a man that I can mold and move with and bless, and he will be a blessing to my people. So strategically through trial, God was maneuvering Joseph into position, saw his heart, gave him the gift of interpretation in this situation, gave him wisdom in the moment, and God positions Joseph in a world that's far from God so that in the midst of the darkness, God can use this man as his heart is in tune with God to bring influence and in the future expand the kingdom of God, the people of God. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't that be great if God could do that? Don't you know that God wants to do that? Don't you know that where you are right now, you're strategically placed for that? Yes. If you don't, so the influence and outreach extended during these years because other nations would trade. Literally, Joseph, the king, Joseph would command the Egyptians to set aside a fifth. 20% of all the grain during the plush years. And in doing so, Egypt was able to feed the whole world at this time. Now, also the Egyptian nation expanded because these other nations would literally, for bartering, would come in and bring in uh, deeds to their property, if it, we would know it as deeds, to their land, portions of their land, in order to get food from Egypt so 
Egypt began to expand its influence and its borders, its power. This is wonderful. And God was doing it all. And he used one individual who was humble to his voice and willing to pass these tests his way. So you can see that when God knows his kids are are going to humble their hearts to his, he moves upon them. He moves moves us into a position of purpose so that we can be used to bring influence to his kingdom so that we will influence lost and hurting people to bring them into his world, his kingdom for his sake. Now remember, it's all about him because the moment we have a hang up, we make it about us. And in this test, boy, it's about us until it becomes about him. And then when we make it about him, we realize there's, more, there's way more that he has for us. And when my faith turns into logic, my logic turns into faith, I would know that this little that I have is, is nothing in light of what he has. And so, therefore, as I'm obedient to what he says, what he's doing, what his ways are, then he brings the increase and in, in it's all about him. There's more than enough. It's, it's immeasurable. And he gets to decide how much. So we need to grasp this whole idea on how to put and keep God first in our lives. And I can tell you the challenge never stops. It, it never stops. Look at this in Genesis 46, 47, 26. It says, and Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt. To this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests only. Now, you can have it all. You can have the one-fifth of all the land that's coming in except for, like even Pharaoh was cut off from having the full fifth, the 20%, except for the part that goes to the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. That's interesting. That's an interesting principle. This wasn't an Egyptian principle. Joseph was able to put into place God's principles because of his influence. The influence that Joseph had, which derived from his humble heart. One-fifth goes to Pharaoh except for the portion that goes to the priest. And the the portion that goes to the priest, the purpose was to expand the influence of God in the region. Isn't this amazing? Amazing. That part goes to God. The, the, one, the number one reason people tell me why they don't tithe is, Pastor, I can't afford it. And if you hadn't said it, you've thought it. And my response, and will always be, and once, <laughs> I understand where you're, where you're coming from, but I'm telling you, you won't be able to tithe until you tithe. I just turned your logic into faith, understanding. Until you begin to tithe, you never will be able to afford to tithe. Until you tithe, you're making, you're making room for a curse when you're placing yourself under it. Not my words. Tithing removes the curse, so every time you start to, to get ahead, without a tithe, something breaks down. All of a sudden, I've got to go to the doctor, and I don't have money. All of a sudden... I have these reoccurring issues, or this issue pops up, this bill. Where did this bill come from? I haven't used this company in five years, and now they're billing me? All of a sudden, something starts to come up because you're not tithing under a curse. God's not placing you under a curse. Look at this in Malachi 3, 8 and 11. 
Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way, what way have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. He says, that a tithe is 10%, and a 10 is the number of testing, and people will always argue, but, but why would you argue about being blessed? Why would you look at God and say, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's New Testament. And, and just hold on to that, that thought. Pin that. I'm not going to do it. But yet, God follows statements like this with an explanation of how much he wants to bless you. Some people say, well, well I'm fine. I'm doing good as I am. But not as good as, as God desires for you to be. Remember in the beginning of this, this is the challenge of settling for good enough. And the enemy of good enough, an enemy, enemy of God is good enough. Well, my life is really good, but it could be so much better. And there's so much more that God wants to use you for if you will begin to test and trust him now in this. Number nine, verse 9 says this, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, the whole nation, like all of you, none of you, none of you've all gone away from bringing back to me, returning what belongs to me. He says, you're, you're cursed with a curse. And, and yet we, even modern day, are saying, boy, if God, if just, God just needs to do something on this earth. I mean, boy, this nation is just going. I mean, I wish just God would just move. This, we need to turn this world or this, this, this nation around. But yet, I'm not returning back to God what belongs to him so he can move. And so I'm a part of play, placing, be, placing us under a curse. Or my family's under a curse. I'm under a curse. And God's not putting anyone under the curse, mind you. Number verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Doesn't say, you know, give some to your favorite TV evangelist. Doesn't, doesn't say you give a little bit, 3% over here and 2% over there. He's saying bring the whole tithe, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And we have many people, I'm telling you, many people that are blessed in, in this church, many and they've understood and accept and love this principle of returning the tithe back to God because they have seen the fruit of his faithfulness as they chose to test him. Testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony I can give you. But there's still many who have yet to understand this blessing of the tithe. And he says, test me, try me now in this. He's like, I just want you to test and see my goodness. I want you to see See that I can really show up like I say I can show up. I, the one place he wants us to test him, he says this, see if I will not open up, next slide, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now who would say, no, no, keep those windows closed, please. I, I don't have room for it. I don't want it. My house is full of stuff, and there's enough stuff in my house. Don't be bringing me those blessings. Raise your hand if you would say that. Here's the reality. By not returning the tithe back to him, that's exactly what you're saying. That Because he says the byproduct of returning the tithe is this right here. And by not returning the tithes, I'm saying no. Don't you bring that stuff. It's going to have lint, money stinks, all your, all your blessing. It just it has, it has some kind of stink, stink on it. Candles are hard to find right now. There's a shortage around. Wax is even, uh, no. No, 
Nobody would say that. Not, lo- not, not logically. That's the hang-up. Sometimes we don't understand what we are saying by not operating in faith so that our faith, our logic can become full of faith. And we're holding ourselves back wondering, why am I not there? Well, he's saying, here's the way. Here, here's the path. Verse 11 says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, let me, let me just give you this breakdown. You're under a curse from not tithing, but God is not cursing you. We live in a cursed world. There's grace. There's grace that covers us because of the blood of Jesus. However, it doesn't cover us to stay outside of the covering of God. It empowers us, gives us the grace to come under. So you have grace to get under the covering. And everywhere we're not under the covering of God and his word, we're out in the curse. And the devourer has a free shot at us. And God's over here saying, if you'll just come under, like I can protect you, but it's over here. You can't do it your way and say, I'm covered by God and wonder why these things take place. Doesn't work that way. You can't be God and I be God too. God is saying, I would, I would like to redeem your finances from under the curse, but you'll have to honor me with the first 10% first it's an initiation you take the step he responds with faithfulness our faithfulness begets his faithfulness he's already made the first offer and he gave his son exodus 13 1 and 2 says this then the lord spoke to moses saying consecrate to me all the firstborn whatever opens the womb among the children of israel both of man and beast is mine moving to 12 verse 12 that you shall set apart to the lord all that opens the womb and my wife says no wonder my first child hurts so much that is every firstborn it makes it even harder to get rid of no i got i went through all that pain to have him you can't have him he's mine which makes it even harder to have faith, right? (laughs) Every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, and by the way, so uniquely, the day my son was born, our second, we had two baby goats that same day. We came home from the hospital, and there were two baby goat twins. Oh, every, every girl loved that. That comes from an animal, which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. And by the way, they're both girls. And so, but every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. Well, that's mean. You want me to go break my donkey's neck? No. He wants you to redeem it with a lamb. But if we won't redeem it with a lamb, then you better go break its neck. Here's why. Because you're going to lose it anyway. Anything, any first thing given is never lost. But everything kept, every first thing kept is already lost. If you're not going to redeem it, You might as well go ahead and break his neck because something's going to happen to it anyway. But if you'll redeem it, then I'll cover it and I'll protect it and you'll be prosperous and you'll have two donkeys, three donkeys, four donkeys. You'll have more clean lambs. So whether you bring it in or the devourer takes it, the tithe will come out of your account. You're better off giving it, bringing it, returning it, so God can bless the other 90%. Boy, faith is just being spit up here. And I'm telling you, you won't know until you know. And you won't know until you test him. Moving to number one point in this, 
the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. It must be sacrificed or redeemed. And I know it sounds very uh, Old Testament language, but I'm going to show you how everything in the Old Testament points to principles that we live out here in the New Testament. And if it's a clean animal, if it's a clean animal and has a firstborn, it's the Lord's so sacrifice it, clean animal. But if it's an unclean animal, you redeem it with a sacrifice of a clean animal. If it's an unclean animal, it's redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean animal. need you to know that. So look at this, how this points to Jesus. If you have a lamb, a clean animal, and it's the firstborn, you have to sacrifice it. If your firstborn is unclean, you have to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean animal. Question is this. Were you born clean or unclean? Unclean. If, you, if those of you who are like, mm, well, you know, I'm pretty righteous. Did you have to teach your children to be disobedient or misbehave? No. <laughs> no. We were born full of sin. But Jesus was born clean. And so the clean had to be sacrificed to redeem us. Me especially. The unclean. You can say amen. The one time you say amen. All year long, it's December, and finally you say amen on me saying I'm unclean. <laughs> Jesus is God's first fruit offering. Jesus is a tithe to the world saying, hey, by faith, I'm going to give first. Because I want to bless, I want to cover, I want to redeem those of you who will follow suit. We were all born in the sin. This is where faith comes in for the believer. You don't tithe from what you have left over. You tithe from the first, showing God, I trust you, I believe in you, and I know you're going to be my provider. I'm not my provider. We, yes, we work, we work like it all depends on us, but we humble up and we pray as if it all depends on God. And when that two things, those two attributes are in effect, God can't help but to bless I can't sit on the couch saying, oh, I got all faith in the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, speaking in tongues and praying hallelujahs and doing nothing. At some point, I'm going to have to get up off the couch and go, go to work. I'm going to have to get busy because I got to work like it depends on me. But I got to pray and humble up like it all depends on God. And that's when power things happen. It's the most, but this is the most brilliant financial investment any believer can make. It is. It's, it, the, the return is crazy ridiculous. You can't, as, you can't as, a, as, a, as a wealthy man, go and invest and get the type of return that you can get when you just return back to God what belongs to him. You can't. doesn't work. Because the blessing is not on it until the 10, the first 10, redeems the rest of it. It covers it, protects it, guides it, keeps it. But it takes faith to give the first 10%, and that's why God gave Jesus in faith for us while we were yet sinners. The 90% with God's blessing on it will last longer and go further than the 100% without it. Number one was this, the firstborn must be sacrificed and redeemed. Number two is this, the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. 
Exodus 23, 19 says, the first of the first fruits, he's getting really specific, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of God, uh, of the Lord, your God. You shall not boil the young goat in its mother's milk. That's a whole nother conversation. You shall bring into the house of the Lord your God, the first of the first fruits. Notice when God speaks of tithing, he never mentions give. Because we can't give anything that doesn't belong to us. You may work for it. It may come to you. The government may be sending you that check to pay you off every month. But it's, your incre- it's his increase in your, your account. And you can't give anything that doesn't belong to you. It all belongs to him. And so we return the first of the first fruits back to him, trusting that he is going to bring the increase. We bring the tithe, the first of the first fruits, and into the house of the Lord. He's specific. And, and I want you to notice this. People wonder, how, well, how do I give here? If you'll go to the next, stick with me. Ways to give. Well, you know what? We're, we're speaking language that you understand. Because in reality, you don't give until you get, start moving. Retur- after you return the first 10%, that's when giving starts. Now, now I'm becoming generous. I'm just obedient in the beginning. I become generous after the first 10%. When God has you, he can move upon you, he can bless you, and as he moves you, he speaks to you, then he can begin to encourage you to give here, to bless them, to steward this, to take care of this, to invest in this, and it's all about increase. Second Corinthians would talk about it's seed and bread, and there's a difference between bread and seed, and the increase is the seed. Unfortunately, many believers are eating their seed, and they're, instead of just scattering the seed to plant it. They're just eating the bread. So God brings the increase, but it's not for us to live off of. We don't raise our, 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 our debts. We don't raise our bills. We don't raise our income, our, our, our dependency upon income. We, we plant that into the kingdom of God. However, he chooses, he brings more increase, and he gets to decide when we can go into other things. Whole nother lesson, a lot deeper understanding. Don't have time for it today. But he doesn't say it's cool to give some here and then some to the 4% over here and then a 2% into the house of the Lord. He says, bring the whole tithe into the house of the Lord. It's good to give in other areas, but we bring the whole tithe into the house, into the storehouse. If you give in other areas, which is above the 10%, that's great. It's good to be generous. It's great to take care of other needs. You should, because once you start to give, return that 10%, God blesses you with other things to be generous towards. And even in that is a test, let me tell you. But when the, the Hebrew children finally came out of the wilderness, after 40 years of living out the same issues, <laughs> cycling, anybody been there? Anybody in the wilderness? Anybody cycling a mountain right now? After 40 years, all of a sudden, a couple of people said, hey, the promised land's not as bad as you think it is. Well, when God begins to mobilize the people, the Hebrew people, into the promised land, he says, first, I want you to give me all the spoils of the war in the first city that you go into, Jericho. Notice he didn't say, I want you to, I'm going to defeat 10 cities in front of you, and one of those, I want you to give me the spoils of that city. It's a principle of the first, and all throughout history, God is trying to train his people, develop his people into understanding and operating in this principle of giving him the first, because thereafter, he said, I will bless everything else that you do. 
He's pretty adamant about it. But one guy, Achan, one guy in this whole Israel nation, and this is probably millions of people, the one guy kept a little bit of somebody's coat and a little teacup, whatever it was, he kept it behind, and they got defeated against the smallest nation that they, they went up against, which was the next AI. And there's something wrong. Something's not right in this camp. Well, it didn't work out much well for Achan or his family. Because they kept back part of the first for themselves, and God says, bring it all into me, into my storehouse. Tithers, though, will always agree and have the most amazing testimonies. Boy, I've been blessed. I got a promotion. I got a raise. God is just doing some amazing things. He's restoring my family. Things are just working out for me. Like I never knew it could work out this way. God's opening up doors that I never knew. I, I was saying it'll never happen. It'll never be. It can never be. But all of a sudden... I get these testimonies, and I get to enjoy the fruit of these testimonies because finally people are understanding the faithfulness of God and letting go of control in, the, in this area of their lives. It's wonderful. I'm passionate about this because the bigger picture is that God has set a plan for all believers to be blessed, and sometimes I just want to shake people a little bit, you know, it's not healthy, to understand because there's hard hardness. There's stubbornness that continually says, well, I just don't know. I don't think. I can't afford. Well, I don't believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. <laughs> it matters nothing. Your belief is keeping you exactly where you are. But when we say, well, I'm just going to do what God's word says, all of a sudden things begin to shift. God has given some people the gift of extravagant giving, but he can't mobilize them into greater giving because they're not willing to return the tithe yet. There's so much more for us. We think, well, I've arrived. I'm good. Like I'm a pastor of a church. I'm great. Let me tell you, the moment I quit on my spiritual journey, all this can be taken away. It doesn't belong to me. And so I have to give God the back the first of everything. All of it. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Well, how do I know what to honor him from? Did you have it before? No, it's increase. Yes, you honor him from that. It's simple. Verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats overflow with new wine. Somebody's like, I'm all about that new wine. <laughs> Honoring. Honoring with everything, all the increase. His promises are back to back to back in his word. It's a pretty good deal for a little bit of 10%. Genesis 4.3, in the process of time, it came to pass, Cain brought an offering. In the process of time, well, when it felt great, like when I had time to get up and write a check, when I had time to go to church, my pajamas were just feeling so good those Sundays. I couldn't get out of the house. I watched online, but I didn't really give whenever they, I didn't, you know, I'm going to do it one day. In the process of time, Cain brought in. But Abel, verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flocks and their fat, and the Lord respected it. But Cain, but he did not respect Cain. This word respect actually means accept. It means to literally turn away. So Abel comes in, gives his offering, and God says, thank you so much for being faithful. I will bless you. Cain comes in and says, oh, I, yep, it, I, here it is. I finally brought it in. And God just turns his back. It wasn't that he didn't accept it. It was that he can't accept it. Because God will never be second or third or fourth to anything or anyone. God is first, and that's just the way it is. That's 
We don't get to decide that stuff. He decides, and we submit to it. That favorite word, submission, yielding. Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of the Lord. That way he doesn't have to humble you. It works out really well. It's a blessing. God will never be second place. I want to, we, we, every year we go into this, going into the new season, the, the, all things new. December is coming to an end. 2021 is coming to an end. We're going into a new year. January's coming. We're excited. It's going to be a different year. We, I like to encourage my staff and I do with myself and for my family, for the church, to hear God, to listen for a word, something that God wants to use in my life to to really help navigate my decision-making throughout the year. And oftentimes, I see a little bit of it that year, but it really starts to bear fruit in the years to come, the next second and third year. But we also do a first fruit offering. And last year, the testimonies, I start praying, I ask people to pray. During December, because some people it's better for December, some for January, to bring in a first fruit offering that says, Lord, you're beyond faithful, and I know it. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen. I want to hear what you have to say, what you want me to give and bring into the house of the Lord. Man, there was a huge response this past year especially. There was a lot of things that God did through this church because of that. But I also saw a lot of things increase in the people's lives, ours included, through the obedience of just listening. I can't tell you what that is. But when we listen to the voice of God and he puts a number on our lives, or our hearts, and we don't reason it away and we begin to honor him and bring that into the storehouse, trusting that he is going to do an amazing thing and he is amazing no matter what, then God responds in astronomical ways. One guy said, two guys actually said, man, I got more business this year. I can't even keep up. I can tell you, even in family business, almost doubled in a year. In a very tough year, by the way. I'm watching people that are non-tithers struggle, try to figure out how they're going to make it, figure out how they're going to pay their bills. Their families are distraught. And I'm watching tithers succeed beyond previous years in such a year as this. It's crazy ridiculous, but only God. You can't explain this stuff away. Firstborn must be sacrificed to redeem. The first fruits must be offered. The tithe must be first. Leviticus 27:30 And all the tithe of the land whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's all of the tithe is the Lord's it is holy means set apart to the Lord so if i have a business let's say i put in a pool for you and the materials are cost this amount and i tell you that here's what all the materials are it's it's $10,000 and the labor i've got to help is $5,000 and i'm going to make $1,000 like I tell you that up front, so I, you, you give me 10 $100 bills, this is, what, this is my part, this is what I made off of this deal, and in this, I'm wondering, what do I do? How much do I tithe this? How much do you tithe off $1,000? $20? Somebody said $20? A hundred, okay. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm, I'm loving this 20 is the tithe off of a $1,000 paycheck. Now, which one is the tithe? The first one that comes out of your hand is the tithe. So if I go and I pay my mortgage or my electric bill or I go get my nails did, 
then the tithe is going to the mortgage lender, the electric company, to my nails did person. But it's not legalism. Here's the thing. Allie and I, our, 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 uh, our tithes and offerings come out the very first. Our, the very first thing that comes out for each month, it's already designated. We have it set up. I don't even have to give it. I don't have to return it. I don't have to sign it. I already did it in advance so that it comes out. Now, let's say Allie goes and gets her nails did before that, that check is, is removed, is come out our, comes out of our account. Does that mean that we're cursed? No. no. We had already given it. It's already designated. It's already released to the Lord, and the Lord sees that. So that girl can go get her nails did all she wants. Amen again, right? That's second amen. Amen. I'm going to leave you with two things. I was at a, I taught my daughter how to tithe, and I was going to brag on it. We were at Pete's house, Baylor Garcia's, and Natasha's birthday, and I, I was telling him I taught my girl how to tithe. She's going to be generous. She's going to be so faithful. I come in. I said, tell, tell Pete what, what, what you learned this week. She's running out. She wants to play. And I said, how are you, how you going to bring back to God what belongs to him? She turned around. She goes, oh, no. She, she opens. She's about to close the door. She goes, I'm not going to bring him anything. <laughs> and I'm like, boy. <laughs> we laughed. And, so, you know, sometimes we're like that, right? Or, well, pastor, if Jesus said it, then I would do it. Well, I'm glad you said that. Luke eleven forty two. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. What sorrow awaits you, you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. Here, here's, here's the matters. You're so focused on tithing, but, but you're not, you, don't, you don't give justice and love. Because sometimes we can become so righteous. I'm doing all the things. But yet our hearts are hardened. We're not loving others. We're not merciful. We're not graceful. And we, have, we, we don't even worry about justice. We're just righteous in our own manner. But that's not his righteousness. And Jesus comes around and he says, I put this in red letters so that those of you who are super religious would see this is Jesus. You should tithe. Jesus. Yes, but don't, don't ne- neglect the more important things. You see, when you begin to return back to God, it won't matter anymore. All of a sudden, your heart begins to melt. He can move your heart. You become humble. You become gentle in your nature. You're more accepting of all of people's junk because you realize, you know what? I used to have a bunch of junk too. In fact, I got a little bit of junk. My heart becomes really soft and gooey in the hands of the Lord. And boy, when I used to be rigid and things I would come across so strong, can't believe you, boy, that religion just starts to lift up. Not perfect, but when I find myself struggling in this area, I I humble up again. Can't do that. I can't do that. I can't live that way. Because that doesn't portray the heart of Jesus to the life of others. I want to pray for you. Father, I just thank you so much for grace upon grace, mercy, Thank you for justice. Thank you for loving us right where we are and helping us to become all that you created us to be. Thank you that you never give up on us, Lord. Thank you that you always have a way out. Thank you that you've shaped and molded and you choose to continue to work on our character and our nature so that we can replicate replicate you, so we can show the world 
what you truly look like, what your heart looks like. And Lord, I, I gladly, because there was a day when I was a slave, just like the Hebrew children. There was a day when I was in bondage, just like the Hebrew children. And you don't have to take it from me, Lord. I gladly, I gladly sacrifice back to you the little 10% so that you can further your kingdom through me, my family. Father, I pray the same thing for every family, every individual, every well put together family, every struggling family. I pray for a renewed heart in this space. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.